You are listening to audio from Hope Church Ipswich. For more information about our church, please visit www.hopechurchipswich.net. Thank you, thank you. If you'd like to turn in your Bibles to 1 Timothy, I am introducing our series looking at uh, 1 Timothy as a bit of a blueprint for us as a church. I'm actually going to be starting our series in 1 Timothy 2, but we will be reaching back um, certainly in the first half of the message, quite extensively back to chapter 1. But chapter 1, in a sense, sets up chapter 2, and that's where I'll be starting. Uh, my name is Morris, for those of you who maybe uh, don't recognise me, because I'm not always often here. I am one of the elders of the church, uh, but my role primarily takes me to the regions beyond. I spend a lot of time in uh, other nations, really representing the mission of this church, but representing it beyond... Ipswich, so I've just uh, yesterday returned from a trip to Malaga, Um, don't be too jealous, it was pouring with rain while I was there, and for two days got absolutely soaked, but a fascinating city, quite a substantial city with Roman, very extensive Roman ruins, and then uh, a huge Moorish castle, testimony to 700 years of oppression from uh, the Moors, and then uh, the Renaissance Cathedral, Catholic Cathedral, and so a very, very complex culture, and you've got to be pretty switched on just to know how to present the gospel to people who have been uh, led to believe that uh, they're saved, but might not necessarily be saved. And, and uh, so that was a, we got a family there who were gathering their core team. It was exciting to be there with them. Uh, weekend before, I was in South Germany on a church that's on the Tri-Nations border between Germany and Switzerland and France, and discussing a strategy with them to plant churches in each of those nations. Before that, I was in, um, I think I was in Frankfurt, uh, with, <laughs> I lose track, with some people from the church here as we were serving um, uh, our church plant in, in Frankfurt, led by Simon and uh, Natalie Tarry there, and uh, we were lay, helping lay a foundation of um, uh, reliable doctrine for uh, actualized theology for the Holy Spirit, a life of the Spirit, and so that was... Um, a real privilege to be able to do that. We were in Sweden before that with a gathering of reformed charismatic leaders. So um, these are the sort of things I tend to be busy with, but I'm doing it, if you like, on your behalf. I'm like your calling card wherever I go. It's like, uh, here comes Ipswich. And uh, a little plug for my life group. We've got a life group, uh, myself and Mark Andrews, uh, Heart for the Nations, um, where we pray for these church plants. So we actually do a live link with these church plants. So if we're praying for a nation in a particular country, we will gather together, uh, eat the food of that nation, and then we will do a live Skype link with those uh, pioneers, and uh, they will give us their prayer requests, and we pray for them. Absolutely live over Skype. It's a great privilege. And at the end of the term, we have another missions trip. We're going back to Frankfurt, helping them with their summer festival. They've got a uh, summer festival um, where they'd be doing all sorts of activities in the community. And uh, we are invited to go and serve them and help them with that. So there'll be an opportunity for you to participate in that if you're part of our life group. And to be honest, you can participate if, that, if you're not a part of our life group anyway. So uh, um, watch out for details on that. Here we go then. 1 Timothy. Let's, uh, this is, a, very, it's a, this is a, a letter from a spiritual dad to a spiritual son. It's not a memo from headquarters. So it's quite an intimate letter. And it's, it's Paul really urging Timothy about things that he feels Timothy should consider as of first importance. And uh, 
keeps reminding Timothy of things. that, Hey, don't forget this. This is of first importance, but for you, come back to this. First of all, all these sort of expressions that Paul is just saying, I want you to remember these things, my dear son. So that's the context and tone of the letter, if you like. Let's pick it up for um, our message today in 1 Timothy 2. Uh, the theme of the message is a church in prayer. And uh, there are many, many messages out there in prayer. I dare not try to almost add to the canon of superb messages encouraging and exhorting us to pray. Um, Mike Betts, more recently, uh, certainly at the Enough Prayer Meetings, he gave uh, some messages over a period of time exhorting us to pray. They are gold. I think they are messages not just for our church or our network. I think they're messages for the church in our nation. So if you haven't had a chance to hear Mike exhorting us to pray, then go to the Relational Mission website, look for the uh, uh, media section and find those messages. They're quite short messages, really exhorting us what it means for us uh, to pray and the priority and primacy of prayer um, as believers and as a gathered church. So I don't really want to sort of uh, replicate that, but what I want to look at in this message is what motivates us to pray. Okay, what actually stirs us to pray? So here we pick it up in chapter 2, verse 1. Paul says, First of all, then, I urge... Okay, that's an important sentence. We're going to be dwelling on this sentence in a moment. First of all, then, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people, for kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. This is good, and it is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all people to be saved. He desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God, and there is one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all, which is the testimony given at the proper time. For this I was appointed a preacher and an apostle, I'm telling the truth, I'm not lying, a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and truth. I desire then that in every place the men should pray, lifting holy hands without anger or quarreling. So, it's always important when you're reading the Bible and you see a word like then or but or so on, you have to just look over your shoulder and say, what has just been said that makes it important to say this? So, if Paul is saying to Timothy, then, he's obviously said something that sets him up for saying that. Do you get that? Yeah? He's obviously he said something and he said, well, because of what I've just said, then, first of all, I urge you, pray. So we need to go back a little bit and just revisit what has Paul said to Timothy. What's going on in 1 Timothy 1 that has prompted Paul to say this? And we'll cover this quite briefly, but I mean, you know, as I said, this is quite an intimate letter to my true child in the faith. And in the first half of this chapter, he's saying, look, be a careful steward of doctrine. All right? Watch your doctrine very, very carefully. There's going to be all sorts of disputable matters there's going to be all sorts of false teachers, but you watch your doctrine very, very carefully. And that actually is one of the primary roles for your elders in the life of the local church. One of our roles is to be stewards of what doctrine is taught in this church. That's one of our primary roles. And I just want to spend a moment commending your eldership team to you, albeit I am one of them. <laughs> Ever so humbly, okay, (laughs) 
All right, and this is, I've served uh, a number of eldership teams and contexts in a number of churches over many, many years. And I want to tell you, this is a great team. It's a great team to be part of. It's a very, very experienced eldership team. There are decades of experience in this team. If you consider Mark Crawley, there are decades and decades of experience in this eldership. I can say because he's not here, he's not here. And, um, you know, there is a lot of experience that is shared between the members of this eldership team. Um, secondly, the team is led by a very good leader. We have a very good team leader in young Tom Scrivens. He is, I've worked with many team leaders over many, many years. He is one of the very best I've ever worked with, okay? And for his age, he's remarkably uh, competent and capable as a humble man seeking to serve the call of God in his life. So it's a joy working with this team and working with Tom. And I, some of you will know I've known Tom since he was four. His father was an elder in a previous church of mine, so we've grown up together in a sense. And uh, this is a very, very capable team. And beyond that, again, we are enthusiastically accountable to wider wisdom. So it's not just us sort of in a room scratching our heads trying to think what to do. When we have challenges and face issues that we're not sure about, we've got a wider network of wisdom to appeal to. We have connection, personally, connection with some of the most influential Christian church leaders in our day, in our nation, to go to and say, what do you think? How should we handle this? What about this sort of matter? And so on and so forth. So I'm saying all these things not to sort of big us up. We're not celebrity leaders. We're not sort of the man of power for the hour. We're, you know, we're the, your brothers in, in, in Christ and just really looking to serve you. And uh, we and friends, we want to, you know, we, we want, we're not untouchable in that way. We're not perfect. We're going to make mistakes. We need to ask for forgiveness from time to time. But we have the call of God on our lives. And we've got a pretty good idea that we know what we're doing. Okay? And I want to say that to make you uh, feel safe really, that when disputable matters and debatable matters come along, um, you know, we're not sort of sticking our head in the sand or ducking issues. We've got a very broad platform of wisdom to appeal to, to help us steward and safeguard the doctrine of this church. And that is what we spend a lot of our time committing ourselves to doing. So let's see what Paul has to say about this matter. I'm going to pick this up in chapter 1 and verse 3. I want to add a government health warning at this point, and also uh, if this recording is used in evidence against me in any future trial in our nation, I just want to make it plain that I'm simply reading uh, the scriptures uh, as handed down to us over 2,000 years, okay? All right? What if they ban the Bible one day? Do you think that might happen one day? What would you do if they banned the Bible? So here's what Paul says to Timothy. As I urged you when I was going to Macedonia... Remain at Ephesus so that you may charge certain persons not to teach any different doctrine, not to, nor to devote themselves to myths and endless genealogies, genealogies which promote speculations rather than the stewardship from God that is by faith. The aim of our charge is love that issues from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. Certain persons, by swerving from these, have wandered away into vain discussion. Desiring to be teachers of the law without understanding either what they are saying or the things about which they make confident assertions. Now we know that the law is good if one uses it lawfully. I often hear people put a, foot st a full stop there. Okay? We know the law is good if one uses it lawfully, comma. Understanding this, in other words, subject to what he's then about to say, that the law is not laid down for the just. 
Anybody in the room just? Any just person in the room? I've got one. Okay. <laughs> we went through this earlier, didn't we, Ashley? We are justified by faith. Who's justified by faith in the room? Are you justified by any other means? By faith? So who's just? Hallelujah. We're getting there. You're always thinking I'm setting a trap question, don't you? Whoa, careful, Morris is setting a trap. I wasn't. I really wasn't. It just says here, you've got to understand this. It says you've got to understand this. The law is not laid down for the just. The law's done its job with those who are justified. The law is for sinners, not for saints. All right? Very important. We're holding out the gospel of grace here. Okay? The law is good, but it's not for the just. <laughs> but the law is for the lawless and disobedient. It's for the ungodly and sinners. It's for the unholy and profane. It's for those who strike their fathers and mothers. For murderers, the sexually immoral, for men who practice homosexuality, enslavers, liars, perjurers, and whatever else is contrary to sound doctrine in accordance with the gospel of the glory of the blessed God with which I have been entrusted. Think they might ban the Bible one day? What are you going to do when they ban the Bible? What are we prepared to shed blood for? That's not my sermon, I'm just throwing that in there. For when I get arrested. <laughs> so having just read what it says in the Bible... Okay. We're all sinners. We're all delivered by the same gospel. No one is more a sinner than another. Okay? But the truth is in here. So, we are responsible as elders, as stewards of good doctrine here. So if from time to time there's a disputable or debatable matter and you raise something with us and we want you to raise uh, issues of doctrine with us if you feel that we are off beam, well then... We encourage you to do that, but please trust us. We do know what we're doing. You know, we, you know, it's not that we, we may not know what we're doing in certain situations. Sometimes you just feel that maybe that's not a priority for us now or it's not an emphasis that we want to bring at this time. Um, and Timothy is being... Paul is saying the same to Timothy here. He's just saying, just be careful about debatable, disputable things. Let's make sure we keep the main thing the main thing. And what is the main thing he goes on to say? <laughs> Remembering that Paul was a champion of the law... Before he met Jesus, he's saying, look, here's the main thing. Remember, Jesus came to save sinners. This is the gospel by grace and not by law. Let's read on in 1 chapter 1 there, verse 12. I thank him who's given me strength, Christ Jesus our Lord, because he judged me faithful, appointing me to his service, though formerly I was a blasphemer, persecutor, and insolent opponent. This is when he was a champion of the law. But I received mercy because I had acted ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord overflowed for me with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Amen? Amen. Of whom I am the foremost. But I received mercy for this reason that in me as the foremost... Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe in him for eternal life. To the king of the ages, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honour and glory forever and ever. Amen. 
Amen. So this is the context then when Paul then says to Timothy, well, first of all then, first of all then, you know, having not allowed ourselves to get distracted by debatable, disputable doctrine, and having asserted to ourselves that of first importance Christ came to save sinners, then I urge you to make supplications and prayers and intercessions and thanksgivings for all people, kings, the lowest, that they may be saved. So this is of first importance for Paul to Timothy that first of all, our first priority is that we should pray. At this moment, you're thinking, here we go, there's another sermon from Morris telling us off for not praying enough. And we go... I know I don't pray enough, Morris. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yada, yada, yada. Pray, pray, pray. What I want to try and draw through with us today is what really burns within us and motivates us to pray. What really, really... And this is what Paul is in here. There are several words in the Bible about uh, prayer. There's four of them that are listed here. We've got uh, supplications, prayers, intercessions, thanksgivings. Let's just have a look very briefly at what each of those words mean there's one uh, there's one that's not listed here which i'll start with and that's petitions have you heard that in the bible one of the words for prayer is petition a petition is to lay a request before someone yeah so you go and petition god you say please god i'm going to put a petition down before you would you please do this that's a petition intercession is to keep laying down the same petition all right that's what when people say i'm called to intercession what basically is i'm i'm going to go back again and again and again and nag god with the, same, with the same petition. And God long, really likes it when you do that. He wants you to do that. He says, yeah, please do that. Please come and nag me. You know, like the, the persistent widow who was not going to put, you know, sort of settle for an unjust judge. He said, no, you know, how much more so a just God that we should go back again and again and petition him. Say, so, yeah, I'm going to keep praying for this. I'm going to keep praying. I'm not going to give up. Even to my dying day, I'm going to keep praying for this. I'm going to keep... God, I'm going to keep asking you for that. I'm going to lay this request before you. I'm going to lay it before you again. I'm going to lay it before you again. I'm going to keep laying this prayer before you. Would you save my mother? Would you save my father? Would you save my son? Would you save my daughter? I, my, I'm going to keep laying this petition in front of you. Because God invites us to do that. So we have petitions and intercessions. We have prayers. Well, you think, well, you know, what word is prayers for prayer? In the text, this really is a word that speaks of an ongoing conversation. Okay. When you're idly going about your daily business, where are your thoughts going? Yeah. Uh, if you're anything like me, and I wouldn't wish that upon you, but if you're anything like me, my mind is teeming with thoughts. I'm thinking about things all the time. And when I first met Jesus was when I used to walk to school. It was a three-mile walk. It used to take me an hour. And I, even before I knew that I had been saved, if you like, or made that commitment to Jesus, I was beginning to have that conversation with God. My thoughts were, I was offering my thoughts to God. And we started having a conversation. And I used to really value those walks to school just to have an, a conversation with God. That's what it's speaking about here when it speaks of prayers, that as you go about your day-to-day business, as you're driving to work, as you're taking the kids to school, as you're washing the dishes, as you're having your lunch break at work or whatever it might be, you're having a conversation with God. You know, how's it going? What's going on? You know, that was a, that was a, 
uh, bit of a tough thing there. I just uh, met that person. It didn't go so well. Whatever, you know, da, 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 da. you're having a conversation with God. So there's petitions, there's intercessions, there's prayers. There's thanksgiving, which obviously is something that um, is so important to do. And yet so often I find myself rushing on. We pray, 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 pray. Answer, great, move on, you know. No, we enter his courts with thanksgiving. We come and say, I'm really thankful for what you've done in my life, God. You know, I'm facing these challenges. I'm facing these reverses and these upsets. But there's so much to be thankful for. And that's part of our prayer life is thanksgiving. But then we have this one, and this is the one that I really want to just sort of focus on uh, for our time here this morning, is supplications. And this is a great one. Because supplications means praying with zeal okay supplications is zealous energetic enthusiastic determined relentless warlike prayer i'm not looking at the most zealous people at the moment but i'll I'll try harder with this okay (laughs) i said to rachel this morning is that sometimes i've got a very carefully constructed and uh sort of studied uh, sermon and sometimes i just have a rant so brace yourselves (laughs) Okay, supplications with zeal. I love the word zeal. Don't you, love, you know, Jesus, the zeal for God's house consumed him. The disciples noted that. God says, you know, I will accomplish these things. I will establish my government. I will establish my king and make him the praise of the whole earth. The zeal of the Lord will accomplish this. The zeal of the Lord will accomplish this. God is a zealous God. He's jealous. When you start doing a word study of zeal and all the words that are related to that through Scripture, you find the Bible is boiling with energy and zeal for the purposes of God and for the glory of God in our day. Amen? And when we are bringing our supplications to God, we're bringing them with the zeal of God. And you might say, well, Morris, I'm not a very, I'm a, you know, in my temperament, I'm a little bit of a sort of a quiet person. You know? I say, okay, but... You've got the Spirit of God in you. Okay? And I, I'm sorry to have to tell you this, but the Spirit of God is quite zealous. And whether you consider yourself to be quite a reserved person, which I am, when the Spirit of God in me starts to burn, the zeal of God overtakes me. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm trying to be on my best behavior at this moment in time. Okay, no, I've, got, I've, got, I've, got, I've got steady, I've got the hammer. First of all then, I urge you to spend time in zealous prayer. That's what Paul is saying. I, I urge you to spend time in zealous prayer. What for? For that disputable doctrine? No. You know? For the fact that someone overlooked you for the role that you wanted in the life of the church? No. For the lost. He wants you to burn with indignant rage for the lost. That's what God wants you to do, you know? So Satan might think that he's quite powerful, and if he looks at me, he'll think he's very powerful, but I'm not on my own, all right? Because the Spirit of God lives in me, and next to the Spirit of God, Satan has no power. He is robbed of power. And so I'm allowing the Spirit of God to determine my zeal and not my temperament. Okay, I... I'm, so I'm appealing to us here for energized, enthusiastic, determined, relentless prayer. I don't know what sort of church situation you got saved into. I got saved into a great church. They, you know, it was a lovely church. Um, but the prayer meeting had a bit of a reputation. 
Have you ever been to those prayer meetings where if you turn up a minute or two late, you have to sort of tiptoe in? And this is absolutely true. I sat in a prayer meeting once for 45 minutes where no one said anything. This is absolutely true. And after 45 minutes of no one saying anything, the person leading the meeting says, God hears the prayer of our hearts. And now we shall finish with a time of silence. <laughs> so we sat silently. To... I don't think that's what Paul has in mind when he's thinking about supplications. He's thinking about energized, enthusiastic prayer. What takes your first energy? Paul says, this should take your first energy. First of all then, supplication. Come on, energized prayer. What takes your energy? I want to know. What, takes your fir- what, is, what preoccupies you first and foremost more than anything else? Paul is saying, well, first of all, the plight of those who don't yet know Jesus should preoccupy you first and foremost. Because you're safe. All right? I'm a saved man, but I'm swimming in an ocean of lost souls. Ipswich is an ocean of lost souls. Am I going to let Satan take those souls? Are you going to allow that to happen? Think about it of first importance. Jesus came to save sinners. God wants all to be saved. That's what it's saying here. We don't know at the end of the day who will or won't be saved, but it does say... Jesus is able to save everybody, and we should be praying that that happens. And it should be something that burns in us. We're burning for this. We're burning for what God's given us. We're energized. We are, it's not me, but him who lives in me. There is, if you're not saved here today, I don't know if there's anybody in the room here who's not a Christian. And you're thinking, who is this ranting man up there waving his eyes about going red in the face? Yeah, well, you might, <laughs> Even if you do, if you are a Christian, you might be asking that question anyway, but... If you are not saved, if you're not someone who has surrendered your life to Jesus, then I want you to know this, that there is somebody who is hell-bent on destroying you. All right? He is hell-bent on destroying you. And that person is the devil. And he is doing everything in his power to make sure you will not meet God. And these strange people in this room are committed to praying that that won't happen. Because we love you and we care for you and we don't want you to fall into the hands of the devil. We want you to fall into the hands of a loving God who will save you and deliver you and clothe you with dignity and set an eternity before you where there's no suffering or sorrow nor tears. And these people in this room, those friends that brought you here, you were very polite to their request and said, okay, I'll come along. Well, they brought you here because they do not want you to be destroyed by the devil. They want you to be saved by Jesus. And this is what motivates us to pray. I will not let Satan take Ipswich. Not on my watch. Not on my watch. I'm going to wrestle. I'm going to fight. I'm going to battle. It's what Paul says to Timothy. He says, look, this is a charge I entrust to you, Timothy, my child, in accordance with the prophecies, that by them you may wage the good warfare. You may fight the good fight. We're here to fight. Okay? I'm here. A prayer meeting is a fight. That's what a prayer meeting is. It's not somewhere where you sort of go, bop, bop, bop. 
You know, can you imagine that? Sort of the big fight. Here we go. Here comes the Church of Jesus Christ. You know, I'm here to swing some blows. I'm gonna. I'm fighting. I'm energized. I'm bringing. I'm saying no. Satan loser. Jesus winner. Jesus, you are the Lord of this town. I'm not going to allow Satan to rob us of the souls of people that we love. And I am going to give myself relentlessly to energize prayer for the sake of the lost in this town. Thank you, sister. There is no neutral ground in the universe. Every square inch, every split second is claimed by God and counterclaimed by Satan, says C.S. Lewis. I am motivated to pray for all people, for kings and all who are in higher positions, because God desires all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. I am zealous about the gospel of grace in the nations. Even where the church exists, you will find that there are expressions of an inadequate gospel. We are stewards of something very, very precious that we're building on the word of God, that we are filled with the grace of God, that we're empowered by the spirit of God, that we are the family of God and that we are going on the mission of God. I tell you, I travel Europe extensively. There are many, many churches who have not grasped this thing. So many Christians and churches are living with an inadequate gospel. There's no liberty, no life, no wonderment or joy or peace. And I'm zealously motivated to pray for the nations that they will not miss out on the grace of God. See to it that no one misses out. On the grace of God, it says in Hebrews. So my appeal to you this morning is this. What takes your zeal? What takes your energy? Okay, If your energy and your zeal is being consumed by other matters, I just want to appeal to you that Paul is saying, well, that's okay, but first of all, let your zeal be directed towards those that are dear to you who don't yet know Jesus. Let that burn with you. And when you pray, pray like a fighter. Pray like a fighter. Yeah? Don't pray like a sort of a... Well, I'm not going <laughs> to even begin to go down there. Pray like a fighter. I'm a fighter. All right? I am. Look at me. I'm live and fit for battle. Okay? I'm a fighter. I'm fighting. I'm fighting for Ipswich. I'm fighting for the nations. Yeah? I want you to be a fighter. I want you to fight for those that are dear to you. I want to fight for the arenas where God gives you influence. That you walk in and you think, I am a fighter. I'm going to fight for the souls of men and women. I'm going to wrestle with the enemy. I'm not going to allow him to win. I'm not going to allow him to take this. Okay, so are you concerned about areas of doctrine in the church? Well, that's okay. But first of all, I want to see that this is bothering you. You know, sometimes people come and blah, 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 we should be doing this. Okay, that's fine, I, I get that, and, and it's important, I want you, and I invite it. But first of all, I'm looking at you and thinking, what actually is taking your first energy? If your first energy is for the loss, then actually, I probably, my ears get a bit bigger <laughs> to hear what you're doing. You know, concerned about your identity, concerned about your role, concerned about this, concerned about that. Okay, no, well, that, these things are important, and we're here to care for one another. But first of all, are you bothered about those around you who are not yet saved? I want to know that. Because that helps me take you a bit more seriously, if I'm honest. You know, that you're not just, it's not just a selfish gospel that you've got, but actually you understand that you're saved and that we're here for the lost. First importance, you are urgently praying for those who are not yet saved. Well, that catches my attention. I desire that in every place men should pray, lifting holy hands without anger or quarreling. Men, come on, take the lead.
All right? Take the lead. Come on. Stand up, men. Come on. Show the way. Come on. What about us women? All right, well, you do it as well then. That's fine. But the Bible says, men. I want to see the men fighting. Not sort of worrying about, you know, sort of pornography and football and all that sort of kiddie stuff. Now fight like a man. Come on. Let's fight for the gospel. Let's fight for our King Jesus. Let's fight against the enemy of our God. Let's fight for the nations. Let's fight for the inheritance of Jesus. Let's fight for our families. Let's fight for those people that we work with and we love that don't yet know Jesus. Let's fight. Men and women, I desire. So I'm going to, we're going to pray together now. I'm going to invite the worship team to come back and join us. What I want us to do now, I want us to pray for our town. Okay, so we're going to do that in just a moment. We're going to stand and pray for our town. And I want, to, I want you to allow yourself to pray with a little bit of energy. I want you to swing a couple of punches in the next minute or two. All right, you going to do that? Put your, put your game face on. We're going to fight. Come on, guys, come up here. We're going to fight, all right? And so we're going to, we're going to, we're going to fight for Ipswich just for a minute or two. We'll worship God. If, um, now I, I say this uh, tenderly, you know, if, if you're thinking, you know what, Morris, actually I hear what you're saying and it's all, you know, rah, rah and great and you're waving your arms around doing all this stuff, but actually inside I do not feel what you're saying. I don't feel it. I've got, I haven't got this energy in me. Actually I am overwhelmed and preoccupied by the curves of this world, you know. That's just the way it is for me. Well, I, I want to have extended an opportunity to pray for you personally with our team. We've got a, a ministry team. When we've finished here, I, I think when I encounter that sense of feeling, I just don't have energy for this, Morris. I think most often it's related to one of two things. It's related to just being straightened out in our thinking about the true power of the gospel in our own lives, who we are, what has been obtained for us how this world is fleeting and transient and we're passing through, you know. That's one thing that can rob us of our energy. And the other thing is that we simply don't have the energy of God in us. We're not, if we have been baptised in the Spirit of so long ago, we've forgotten what it means to be filled again with the power of God. Because if you are filled with the very presence of God, you will streams of you know, living water will bubble up within something's going to rise up within you and energize you to think I am praying the prayers that Jesus would pray if he was here because the spirit of Jesus is in me and I'm praying uh, with tears and supplications and petitions and appeals to God for the sake of the lost that's why I'm here that's why he has sent me here and so we just want to pray that you'd be filled afresh with the life of God we just pray for that. Let's stand together and now pray for Ipswich. John, can we have a marching beat, please? You know I like praying for a marching beat. Come on. Okay, army, let's pray. Let's just lift our voices to God for the sake of Ipswich, for the sake of our nation. Maybe you come from another town or another nation. Why don't you offer that town or nation to God? We say, Lord, God, we're going to bring the nation to you, Lord. We're going to bring our town to you. We're going to say, Lord Jesus, come in all your might and power. Come in all your glory. Lord, Satan, loser. We're not going to allow him to have his day. We're not going to allow him to have the influence and power that he thinks he has. Jesus, you cut the head off of our enemy. You cut the head off of 
the devil, his time is coming to a close. You are going to banish him forever and destroy him in pits of fire. And in the meantime, Lord God, we will wrestle with him. We are not content. We're not going to stand still. We're not going to stand by while our loved ones and our dear friends and family and colleagues are subject to the uh, influence of this hideous evil in our day. We're going to stand for Jesus. We're going to stand for him. We're going to say, no, come, Lord Jesus, in your glory. Come in your mercy and your love and your power. Come and show yourself strong, we say, Jesus. Come and save many, Lord Jesus. Come and save many in our town. We appeal to you, O King. Bear your mighty arm. Come, drive out the devil in our day, we pray, Lord Jesus. Rescue many in this town. We pray that when we're in heaven, the Ipswich... Those from it will be abundant, Lord. There will be many, many that were saved and gathered from this town because we have come in order to bring your salvation to this place, to represent you as King and Saviour in Ipswich. Come, Lord Jesus, we ask you, O God. Amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Will you do something in us, we pray, God? Galvanize us. Stir us, Lord. Those who have much energy for the lost, give us more energy. Those who feel we don't have much energy, well, Lord, give us more than we have. Lord God, but we want to pray that a fire will burn in us. A fire will burn in us for the gospel. The fire will burn in us for our king. Lord, an indignant rage will rise in us against the work of the enemy. Jesus, you have been revealed to destroy the works of the evil one. And we say, oh God, not in any triumphalistic or naive way. We stand confidently behind our victor, Jesus. And say, Lord, come and demonstrate your victory in this town, we pray. And save many, save many, we ask you, from every culture represented in this town, save many, Lord God, that that your house will be full of people that have been saved because of the gospel proclaimed in this town. We want to pray this in Jesus' name. Let's worship together. If you would love to uh, us to pray with you, then I want to encourage you to come down here. Matt's going to be leading the team. If you just feel you need some uh, extra sauce on your chips, extra energy in your battery, say, oh, I want to... <laughs> Where did that come from? I just... God, I just... I, I'm not... I, you know, I'm too passive, God. I want to be a fighter. I want you to pray for me. I want to be a fighter. Well, we'll pray for you down here. And we'll pray that God will come and burn in you with holy fire for the sake of his righteous glory in our day. Thank you for listening to audio from Hope Church Ipswich. Please feel free to make a copy of this content, but please do not edit the content in any way.